This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. I'm Tefra Jemian. And I'm Tom Zalatni. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we're talking all about coffee. This was a topic requested by one of our patrons, Andrew, over at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. Uh, If you would like to request topics for episodes of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate as little as a dollar a month in order to make that happen for yourself. Uh, Before we dig into today's topic, we want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So we want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. It is basically impossible to talk about coffee without talking about colonialism. Mm-hmm. The entire history of coffee is colonialism. Mm-hmm. The entire present of coffee, <laughs> frankly, is colonialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Good, good reminder as we go into one of my very favorite food items. Yeah. Well, it's nice that you mentioned the history of coffee there right out the gate, because I have done a little bit of research, uh, as I am wont to do, and thought I would share some of my findings. Obviously, you know, Halloween is behind us, the days are getting colder, and the day of this episode's release is actually National Cappuccino Day, so happy National Cappuccino Day. Uh, and we thought, you know, what better way to welcome the coldest time of year than with a nice warm episode about everyone's favorite hot bean drink. Tom, how do you feel about cappuccinos? Um, they're not my top choice for like a non-standard coffee, coffee drink, but they're not my like least favorite either. Okay, but what would you call a standard coffee drink? Because I definitely think of a cappuccino as a standard coffee drink. Oh, sure. When I say standard, I mean like drip coffee. Okay, so your standard is drip coffee. Sure, yeah. But my, my favorite, I guess, espresso-based coffee drink would be a macchiato, not a... Yeah not a cappuccino Um, but I do like cappuccinos and obviously you know we live in Canada which is uh, home of the iced cap the iced cappuccino 
popularized by Tim Hortons. Anyway, I did a little research into the history of coffee in preparation for this. Uh, It's fascinating. It dates back as far as the 15th century. Basically, uh, Sufi Muslims, who are kind of a spiritual sect of the uh, Islamic faith, uh, in what would be modern-day Yemen, discovered and embraced the stimulating properties of coffee as a means of helping them stay energized through long overnight prayer sessions. Um, They had already been making a drink made of the like berry husks of the coffee beans beforehand uh, that they, you know, enjoyed a lot and it was a nice hot drink, but it didn't give them that stimulation. Uh, And then at some point they were like, hang on a sec and tried using the beans instead and they were like oh this is great and it gave them a little extra boost this of course led to coffee traveling with them (laughs) in other parts of uh, the Middle East and Northern Africa and you know then uh, as you mentioned we cannot talk about coffee without talking about colonialism so uh, coffee in the form that we know it today that is the roasted ground up boiled and filtered byproduct of the coffee bean itself uh, came about pretty naturally uh, at this point Uh, and by the 16th century it had spread in popularity throughout the rest of the Middle East and Northern Africa and Europe and all of its colonies and you know all of the (laughs) places in Europe that had various colonies of their own uh, were soon to follow the first European coffee house opened in Rome in 1645 but it was actually the Dutch not the Italians who first led the charge to import coffee on a large scale via the Dutch East India Company the British followed suit of course as did the French and by the time of the American Revolution in the 1770s coffee had become the breakfast drink of choice for many Europeans who favored it over tea Uh, although tea was still you know pretty high up there and especially in Britain and its colonies tea was kind of the like go-to for you know a hot breakfast drink uh interestingly hot chocolate was also high up there in a lot of European countries uh but I think if memory serves coffee was like number one When the British decided to place unfair tea taxes on the Americans, leading to the infamous Boston Tea Party of 1773, where American colonists dumped about a million dollars of today's dollars worth of tea into the Boston Harbor in protest, uh, coffee consumption in America understandably grew quite a bit because they said, well, we're going to get rid of this tea and also we're going to stop drinking it in protest. And for anybody who grew up with the American Girl Dolls, this is uh, very clearly laid out in the Felicity book, the first Felicity book because of course Felicity's family um, are rebels because they are after all American girl dolls but there are loyalists who are drinking tea and 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 Felicity has a sort of crisis of conscience where she has to ask for coffee however there were certain supply issues with getting coffee to all parts of the colonies and uh, a very common replacement which I grew up with because my family were filthy hippies is dried (laughs) and roasted and ground chicory root which has a similar bitterness it's not a bad flavor chicory root it has a pleasant flavor um, but it sure does not kick the way coffee does no so so tom you are a a history student and you are doing your research through historical methods and i uh am doing my research via american girl doll books well you know we all do our research one way or another uh anyway all this to say um by virtue of basically every major colonial power having acquired a taste for coffee the demand grew higher and higher as it does and the growth and production of coffee became extremely important worldwide by the second half of the 19th century At this point in 2021, coffee has become an extremely important crop for a lot of developing countries, with over 100 million people worldwide relying on its harvesting and production as their primary source of income. Now, we could talk for hours about the ethics of massive cash crops like this and the labor practices.
illnesses and sustainability issues around them. But this is a show about the joy that food brings us. Uh, and also, I would just be more comfortable having that conversation with an actual expert here. So maybe we will save that conversation for another day. But what I will leave you with on that note is... Uh, it's never a bad idea to look into the way that your products are sourced. It's never a bad idea to like, you know, Google where your coffee is coming from. Keep an eye out for labels that say things like organic, fair trade, and rainforest alliance. And try to prioritize ethically sourced beans when you can. Prioritize yelling at people who are in charge of legislature and yelling at companies because none of this is actually on the individual consumer. <laughs> I will say that there are many very good resources where you can learn about the issues with the coffee supply chain. Try to find coffee that is rainforest certified. Try to find coffee that is fair trade. Um, it doesn't do a ton, but it, it is kind of the best option yeah. out there right now. Because it's true that there is no bad food, but there there are bad labor practices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not the food's fault. No. And coffee is one of those things that, that is easily transportable. You know, it's not like tomatoes where you ne necessarily have to use up tons of resources shipping them, right? Coffee, once you roast it, can be transported very easily. Coffee mm -hmm. beans, which is why it's such an old trading resource like right. spices and sugar. There are a lot of ways that it could be made more ethically and more sustainably. Yeah. I love coffee. I will continue drinking coffee as long as our supply chains haven't collapsed. Um, but I do think it's one of those resources that it, it's good to look into because there are some pretty simple ways mm -hmm. to make it better, much like chocolate. There are some right. pretty simple ways that it can be better for the people who are producing it. It's also one of those things where sometimes there's a financial barrier of entry to buying ethically sourced products. With coffee, the difference is not really there a lot of the time. Like there is, at our local supermarket, there is inevitably at least one fair trade or rainforest certified coffee that costs the same amount as something else. And so every time I'm there, I'm like, okay, I can make what feels like a good choice here. Yeah. So like do it yeah you know yeah it's also good yeah like there's bad coffee out there certainly it's usually the cheapest i grew up drinking it <laughs> but like the organic good stuff and the non-organic good stuff are similar prices yeah so all right so let's uh let's get fun we got that we got that out of the way right off the bat let's get fun let's get fun let's get fun woo woo I drink a lot of coffee. I have been drinking much less coffee, I think, in the time that we've known each other because mm. pregnancy and and nursing are both things that decrease my coffee consumption. But mm. there was a time, uh, this is embarrassing, but I'm just going to put it out there, when my group chat that I have been in for 12 years, I had an alter ego called Caffeine Taffer, and mm. they would determine when I came into the group chat if I was Caffeine Taffer or non-Caffeine Taffer. Caffeine Taffer is fun. <laughs> Uh, and I no longer drink, you know, an entire because so I went to McGill for undergrad and at McGill there is a little snack place called Snacks in the Leacock building. Snacks with an X. Sure. And uh, they they do not have coffee currently because they're having some supply issue, but they had coffee at the time. And if you mm. brought your own mug, it was a dollar and they did not gatekeep the size of your mug. <laughs> so I would go in there with like a, a, a like um two pint canning jar sure. at the beginning of my day and just fill her up for a dollar with milk and sugar and uh, just work on that. Um, and then I'd go get another one for my afternoon classes. And I really just 
I love it. It makes my brain go. It makes my brain go. Yeah. And it tastes good. Do you remember when you first started drinking coffee? Because I do. Oh, I do. Okay. I remember when I first started drinking coffee. I was probably far too young. Now, my family, I mean, my dad's family is Armenian and Italian. We know, Tefer, you talk about this on every episode. Uh, But those are both strong coffee cultures. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, I mean, Armenia is part of the region where coffee emerged, right? And so my parents had a whole, like routine ritual around making coffee we always had cardamom in it which is delicious um so i had like sips of coffee and espresso from a very young age same with wine it was just it was around in the house but when i was 11 i decided that for the sake of my image i was going to start drinking coffee and it was a conscious choice i was i was 11 years old i was kind of really getting into the moody poet vibe and um i decided that that it would be good for my image to start drinking coffee. Sure. So there was a Starbucks on my way home from school, and I started (laughs) with white mochas, which are like (laughs) the least coffee-adjacent coffee drink you could get at Starbucks. It's like all syrup. I started with that, and then I went to black and white mochas, which are like a, a... regular mocha and white mocha mixed and then I went to regular mochas and then I just kind of gradually started getting drinks with more and more coffee in them you know that I went to lattes and then finally I was actually just drinking coffee right uh and for a while I was drinking black coffee because I felt like I should but like let's be real coffee is just I think coffee is just nicer with a little milk the 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 pH balance works out milk tempers the acidity of coffee a little bit um so yeah I mean I started in middle school like as a deliberate manic pixie dream kid move. Sure. Uh, because that was who I wanted to be. I was not. I was. I want to make it very clear that that experiment was a failure. I was a dork. I was such a dork all through middle and high school. I cannot help myself. But I sure was trying. <laughs> I get that. An interesting thing about Mocha, actually, is that Mocha is the name of a port city in Yemen that was Ooh. like one of the main places that coffee was like sent out of yeah Um, that's fun and that's where it derives its name the mocha Uh, although mocha like the mochaccino being the long name of it is chocolate flavored coffee Uh, i don't know i cannot for the life of me find where that distinction came in like i don't know who first decided like a chocolate coffee will be called a mocha. I mean, I feel like if hot chocolate and coffee were the two most popular drinks of the era, at some point somebody said, what if we put these together? Yeah, it Which, has like, to be that. I mean, right? I used to do that at summer camp, right? You pour your coffee and then you pour a pack of like Swiss Miss, like hot chocolate mix into sure, it yeah. and you mix it up and it's a little DIY mocha thing. I love mochas. Uh, I want to shout out to my favorite mochas in the world, which are made by Pete's Coffee, which we don't have here, but probably many of our listeners know about their mochas. Mm, sweet. Tom, when did you start drinking coffee? Yeah, so I I think pretty similarly, like I grew up in a house where coffee was regularly, frequently consumed in large quantities. Um, my mom... I can remember my mom going through various kind of like phases in terms of how much she would drink. Like sometimes it would be, you know, three or four cups a day. Sometimes it would be like eight. Uh, It was never less than three or four. And so I'm sure that I like tried coffee younger than this. But I remember 
the summer that I first started really drinking coffee. I was 13 and I was working at a summer camp and there was a gas station slash depener, which is the, you know, for anyone who's not in Montreal, a depener is our version of a bodega or a corner store. It's, you know, a little place you go in, get your snacks, get your gas for your car, that kind of thing. Um, and they had a functionally like a slushy machine, but it, had iced coffee in it. It had iced cappuccinos. Um, And this was just up uh, where Cool and Simple is now. Yeah. That condo building Mm -hmm. used to be a parking lot with a couchard in it Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Um, So every morning I would walk past that on my way to camp. And because I was working as a CIT at this camp, I needed coffee in the morning, I had decided. But I was like 13, so I wasn't going to get myself a real coffee. I was going to get myself an iced coffee. And so every morning that summer, I got one on the way in. The camp was like church affiliated and it was affiliated with the same church as a local homeless drop-in shelter that got a lot of food donations um and every once in a while food that they got donated that they couldn't use for the homeless shelter would get passed on to like other ministries of the church so maybe it would be like the youth group would get some snacks or like in this case the camp would get you know a lot of rice pudding and a lot of purple the world's most powerful antioxidant (laughs) beverage and that same summer we got just a ton of instant coffee powder because <laughs> they had actual coffee and they were like well that's you know this will go to waste because we have good coffee for the homeless so let's give the shitty coffee to the teenagers running the day camp that works um and so i got into the habit of mixing the instant coffee powder into my rice pudding in the mornings <laughs> So I would have my iced coffee on the way to work. You're looking at me with a horrified expression on your face. And then for breakfast at work, I would have just like gritty coffee flavored rice pudding. And it was bad. That's, and I got hooked. I I am looking at you with a horrified face, but I'm also reminding myself that you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. And teenagers do all kinds <laughs> of experimentation. I mean, I went through a whole year where what I lived on was just like potatoes, onion, and apple fried up. Mm-hmm. It's good, but that sure. was what I was eating every day for like uh, I don't know months at a time. So I'm I'm not judging. I'm a, I'm ju- I'm a li- I'm a little ju- <sighs> judge away. Instant coffee. So like I'm like okay, instant coffee and pudding. Yes, like I like to make pudding, and I'm like maybe throwing some instant coffee in is a good idea, but. Just garnishing it. I don't know. However, instant coffee uh, powder as a garnish for ice cream is something one of my brothers-in-law, brother-in-laws, brothers-in-law, is it like Jack's Russell Terriers? Brothers-in-law, I think. Instant coffee powder on ice cream is something one of my brothers-in-law put me onto. And uh, it's actually delicious. Like, I love to put maple syrup on vanilla ice cream and then have something crunchy. And when that little crunchy thing is instant coffee granules, like... That is so. I don't know. I'm suspending judgment, except I have a little judgment. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's reasonable. Like it's, I don't think that any of us thought it was good. The judgment <laughs> is more aimed at the adults. <laughs> there were a lot of look. I mean, like any church ministry that employs teenagers, there were a lot of issues with the way that things were being run. Uh, I got paid one summer in boxes of triscuits. What? Yeah. They ran out of funding, and they were like, "We can't pay you." But you can take home all the leftovers. So I had, you know, several boxes of Triscuits. Church camp. Okay, now I'm speechless. <laughs> What's your go-to coffee order these days? 
Uh, usually I just do filter coffee these days. It depends mm-hmm. on where I'm going. Um, right now, the cafe that's closest to my work is very like third wave fancy. Mm-hmm. And I do not like the coffee they use. I feel like right now the trend in uh, like fancy coffee is very fruity, very acidic coffees. Mm-hmm. Because for a long time those weren't in and like... That's just the current thing. It's like the ruby chocolate version of coffee. Sure. Uh, very berry noted and highly acidic. And for me, that works very well for iced coffee. So in the summer, my go-to is cold brew. And cold brew, I think you can really play around with the flavors because the process of cold brewing, uh, it, it's different. It's less acidic. It's sure. more full. But for me, a super fruity, acidic espresso in a latte, I don't like. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't appreciate that. So I'm still looking for my like go-to coffee place. Uh, but my general coffee order, if I'm going to a cafe for the first time, will just be a filter coffee. I'll get mm. a filter coffee, I put milk in it, and sometimes a little bit of sugar depending on my mood. If I'm feeling fancier, sometimes I'll do a, a latte or a mocha. Like mocha is really my comfort drink. Pumpkin spice lattes we <laughs> talked about last episode. Uh, but if I'm just going in in the morning for something, I'll just get a filter coffee. I like filter coffee. It's what I grew up on. Yeah, I get that. I think that you can judge a coffee shop by the quality of its drip coffee. Exactly. That's it. That's it. If I'm going into a place for the first time, I want to see what their drip coffee is like. Now, we're in Montreal where a lot of places don't have drip coffee at True. all. And if you ask for just a coffee, I feel like like Café Filtre is coming in more. More places are mm-hmm. more often will have a pour over or something. Uh, but when I first moved here, if I asked for just a coffee, I would get an Americano. Sure. Uh, which is fine they're different americanos and filter coffee taste different it's a different process and i order filter coffee because i like filter coffee so like if i go into a place and they only have an espresso machine i might change my order to a latte sure because here coffee culture here is very italian we have a very italian coffee culture Interesting. in montreal yeah is is the italian coffee culture similar to the french coffee culture no so here you have hit upon one of my quibbles with Quebec Mm. and this is something that I've talked with a bunch of people from here about and they're always like no no you can get this at this place and then I go there and it's not this (laughs) Café au lait Mm. if you ask so Café au lait is literally just coffee with milk in French if you ask for a Café au lait here you do not get a Café au lait you get a latte they give you espresso with milk Café au lait is brewed coffee with hot milk and it is different. The flavor profile is different. The proportions are different. Café au lait is what I want. Café au lait is what my dad made me as a kid. <laughs> and I will say, can I have a café au lait? And they give me a latte. Now, understandably, because in Italian, café latte is coffee with milk. Sure. But in Italy, they do it all espresso. Like, right. they don't really. So that's my quibble with Montreal, is the, ca- the café culture is so, so Italian here <laughs> that I cannot get a café au lait unless I make it. Yeah. And I like café au lait. I mean, that's fair. It is It is always frustrating, like, realizing that there's a regional version of something that you like that's just, like, not available It's not anymore. it. Yeah. yeah. Somebody was like, oh, go to Fred's. They have it there. And I went to Fred's, and I was like, this is a latte. Mm-hmm. It's a latte. It's. I mean, it's a good latte. It's sure. not a bad latte. Yeah. But it is not a café au lait. And when you want a bowl of café au lait with a croissant, it's it's not the same as right. having a latte with a croissant. It's just not the same. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah I mean, my go-to, obviously, like 90% of the time when I drink coffee, it's here at home. So, you know, we just do pour over. 
which is good. I like it. Uh, but if I'm ordering something out, um, like my Starbucks drink is caramel macchiato. Mm-hmm. That's it. A classic. I just, yeah, a classic. It's a little sweet. It's good. It's done. If I'm going somewhere new, I usually get a latte. Mm-hmm. I'll usually ask for a latte and just sit and enjoy it. And I don't know. I, I don't know why. Because most other places will also have a macchiato. Yeah. But it's not my default. Yeah. I have no idea what that that distinction there is. On Cafe Olay, have I ever told you about the movie I was in in the year 2000? I don't think so. So I'll set the stage. The year is 2000. I am here in Montreal. I am seven years old. I am a small child. Uh, and up on Monkland, you know, the street that is the busy street in our neighborhood, because I grew up two blocks away from where we currently live, they were filming a movie in a cafe that is now a sushi restaurant, I think. And the cafe had a sign called Cafe Olay, but it was spelled like the, you know, Olay kind of <laughs> Olay. And I think we walked in thinking it was an actual cafe and my mom was trying to get a coffee and then saw that they were in fact filming there uh, and they needed extras. And so I got to be an extra in this movie uh, about Malcolm, 28, and his new love, Alicia, 25, an illegal Chilean refugee. Their relationship will be short-lived if he does not make the right choice is all IMDb has to say about this movie. I know nothing about this movie except that I got to film a scene in the cafe and I filmed a scene at an outdoor like dance, possibly wedding dance. I don't totally know. <laughs> um, but the indoor scene, uh, my mom and I were background extras. <laughs> They were, I think the the leads were having like a serious conversation at a table, drinking their coffee, and we were supposed to just walk by in the background like we were customers, you know? Um, And the director gave me a banana and said, just pretend you're eating this banana and walk by in the background. But I was seven, so I ate the banana while walking by (laughs) in the background, uh, and I went through like three bananas before I finally understood what they actually needed me to do. So, Tom. Yeah. A few years ago. You were in a Burger King commercial. Yeah. For a crispy chicken sandwich. That's true. And I seem to remember something very similar happening on that set. So here's the difference. On the Burger King set, we were supposed to eat the sandwich. We were just supposed to not eat huge bites of it. Just in case we needed to do a lot of takes. What happened was they liked me a lot when... I was done the first part of the shoot. So toward the end of the day, when they had like 45 minutes to kill, they wanted to get a bunch of extra footage. So they got me and I think Jeremy or maybe Akeem, former host of the previous iteration of this show. uh, (laughs) They liked us a lot. So they just had us sit down and eat more burgers and, you know, riff on the burgers a little bit more. And by the end of that day, I had eaten eight burgers. Yes. Tom's a Latini eating food on set since 2000. Indeed. Hire Tom for ads, folks. They will eat all your food. I'll do it. I'll do it. Speaking of ads, should we take a little trip over to the mid-roll? Let's take a little trip over to the mid-roll. Oh, boy. Here we go. We're in the mid-roll. Hey, if you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving... Consider? Consider? (laughs) While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I can't handle it if every time we do the mid-roll you do a little voice. A little voice? Okay. Well, uh, consider leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a little friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of November, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot. Did I just say donating? I might have because I'm a little congested. 
<laughs> the Depot is our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 that they get in donations into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. <laughs> There's no other way to do that kind of math of turning zero into six. So uh, if that's exciting for you, go leave a rating review of the show. And remember, don't misgender us because that sucks. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where Toby and I did a Q&A, oh boy, go listen to it. You'll get some cute baby sounds. Uh, if I sound sick today, maybe listen to that episode and see how I sounded there because <laughs> I was just starting to be sick then and I am just starting to recover now and you can hear the progression in my voice. It's a good time. <laughs> what a week. What a week. What a week it's What been. a week. All right, that's enough from the mid-roll. Should we get back to the show? So I want to talk to you about Bach. Okay. Johann Sebastian Bach. Famous composer, you may know him from various things, cello suites, etc. Composer of the 1700s, largely now. In the early-ish, is that in the early-ish? Not really in the early 1700s. In the 1730s, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach composes the Coffee Cantata. So this is the early 1700s when coffee is the rage. Coffee is very faddish. Everybody's getting into it all across Europe. Uh, Coffee houses are centers of social thought and discourse. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, really a cultural movement that leaves the third wave coffee movement of the 2010s in the dust. Uh, And Johann Sebastian Bach writes this cantata, which is really, it's kind of like an SNL skit. It's kind of like the 1700s version of an SNL skit, really. So the coffee cantata is about a disgruntled father, Schlendrian, who is arguing with his daughter, Lieschen, about... Uh, her marriage you know she needs to get married and he basically says um, all you do is sit around and drink coffee all the time all you, how are you ever going to get married if all you do is drink coffee and she's like listen uh, uh, I, I'm never going to give up coffee like there, there, there is no man on earth who could convince me to give up coffee and they just go back and forth for a long time about this where he goes when are you going to settle down and kick this this habit and you know get serious about your life and ultimately they settle on um she will get married as long as her husband allows her to drink as much coffee as she wants Mm. it's a very silly little piece of music and it's a fun thing uh to introduce people to especially people who think of classical music as very stuffy uh because a lot of classical music is very silly because you have to remember that Bach was popular music at the time. He right. was he was young. He was doing new, exciting things with music. Um, and my best friend and I actually bonded over this piece of music when we were 11 at music camp. Uh, Shivani and I were in a class with a wonderful teacher named Varta and Agababian. Um, who taught us the coffee cantata and we just became obsessed I don't you know the way the way preteens can get just completely obsessed with something we got completely obsessed with this cantata and uh and it has been a long-standing anchor point of our friendship uh but it's a fun little little comic opera and it's silly and it's a fun thing to look up if you love coffee yeah the song that my friends and I got obsessed with 
as preteens do when we were like 10 or 11 was All the Small Things by Blink-182. Now, do you remember how earlier in this very (laughs) recording I told you that I was trying to do (laughs) a cool Manic Pixie Dream Kid (laughs) thing and was failing? Yeah. Now perhaps you understand why. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what would you say is like your favorite non-beverage use of coffee? I mean, you've already touched on the like sprinkling a little on ice cream thing. I mean, I, my, the first thing that popped into my head is tiramisu. I love mm. tiramisu. And I also love coffee ice cream. One other way that I like to use coffee in a non-drink way, uh, which is probably less obvious and less known, is that if I am making banana bread, mm. this is something that I believe I got from the Moosewood cookbook originally, and I just adapt it to any banana re- bread recipe because it is so good. Before I blend up the bananas, I will soak them in a cup of bl- strong black coffee, mm. and there's something about it that just brings out the banana flavor beautifully. So I do that every time I make banana bread, no matter what recipe I'm using, and it's really, really nice. It's also just a good use if you have a little leftover coffee. It's a good way to use that up. Well, that's it. I was thinking about leftover coffee and how, like, we do, despite both of us being big coffee drinkers, we do every once in a while have leftover coffee. My most frequent use of the leftover coffee is to pour it into an ice cube tray so that I can have easy access iced coffee later. Um, I've seen you put it in plants. I do. There are certain plants that really like the uh, the high acidity and the nitrogen hmm. in coffee. Tomato plants really like it. And uh, my Christmas cactuses love it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's it. And And coffee is, I think extremely versatile in that sense right um and one thing that i really like that i don't do enough um but that i remembered while preparing for this episode is that you can use coffee as a rub for meat when you're like cooking it on the grill or in the oven or whatever um and i really like a good like coffee rubbed beef Um, so maybe i'll do something with that this week yeah that sounds good to me delicious folks I would like to apologize for the state of my voice and the state of my energy levels in this episode. Like I said earlier, I've been real sick. <laughs> so, and, and I have been real busy and did not do the work of carrying this episode, even remotely. So uh, I should also apologize. However, uh, talking about coffee is fun. And we both love coffee. And maybe one day we will do this as a higher energy <laughs> You know, because there's a lot to talk about with coffee. We can always come back to coffee. That's it. We'll always have coffee. We'll always have coffee. We can talk about the, you know, ethical side of it. We can talk about what third wave coffee even is. There is truly no end to where coffee can go. Um, And if you'd like to make that happen a little bit sooner, a really great way to do that is at Patreon. So I will reiterate, this episode was requested by one of our patrons, Andrew, over at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. If you want to suggest episodes of the show, you can do that at Patreon. So that's it. That's it for me. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Want to join the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at nobadfoodpod, at tomzalatni, and at tefferbear. If you liked this episode or want to help us make the show better, head to patreon.com. <laughs> slash no bad food pod and donate it can be both (laughs) it can always be both it can always be both (laughs) for as little as one dollar a month you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like patrick gabriel kendalyn carlia thomas george poppy killian sarah angelica Anne, andrew laura chantal (laughs) our tall buddy sean Ooh, he's real tall Chantal and David. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks. 
<laughs> including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. You could literally make us talk about coffee for a month if you gave us enough money. It's true. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all kinds of great stuff from our friends over at Tee Public. And of course, you can always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who you, for example, bonded with at music camp over Box Coffee Cantata or somebody else. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description. And last but not least, this show was produced by Tom Zalatni and loosely by Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week when I will hopefully have a voice again. <laughs> you are it just takes a little time It takes a little time It takes a little time with me I hope you don't mind We'll take it slow this time Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, The Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upward Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah!